right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's happening? Welcome into another edition of Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. I'm Derek Johnson. Along with me is Nick Springer. Who? We are brought to you by 23rd Street Brewery today. And uh, we are going to be talking play plenty of KU basketball. Uh, we'll recap the Chaminade game. We'll look ahead to the Marquette game. Uh, we're going to be joined by Matt Tate of K- or, uh, R1S1Sports.com coming oh. up at 3.40 here. And uh, then we are also going to uh, talk a little Chiefs-Eagles recap. And we've got some KU football audio with Lance Leipold, Brian Borland, and Andy Kotelnicki. KU, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much you, you saw uh, of last night's game with the Chiefs game going on, but yeah. it was a weird game, to say the it least, between weird KU game. and Chaminade. It was 25-20 to 20 at one point. Uh, it just felt like, I don't, I don't know if it was like lack of trying was, was the early indication of the game or if KU was just kind of sleepwalking into the game, which you can yeah. understand the human nature of why that would happen for a game like this. Um, in the end, you win by 27, so it's like, okay, well, what's the big whoop? But uh, certainly that was not, I think, an A or B or maybe even C performance by KU last night. Yeah, it was interesting. I was uh, texting during the game about Hunter Dickinson and how it seemed like Hunter Dickinson was not even attempting to try, and then yeah. he finished with 31-11. and 11. He was just too big. He was too big for them. I mean, they would just <laughs> throw in the ball, and it was just like an auto bucket. <laughs> it was crazy. He even hit the three as part of it. Yeah, yeah, he was he was unstoppable. It did feel like to me, honestly, that there was not a huge try level or I don't know, like Shamanad was getting a bunch of offensive rebounds. Some of them were just long rebounds because of they, yeah. they were shooting a lot of threes. Yeah. Uh, but they were winning a lot of uh, loose balls early and you felt like okay, well, you know, may, maybe the the try level is off the charts. I honestly thought that KJ Adams when he came in, I, we weren't expecting him to play. He ends up coming yeah. in and, you know, um just not much more I don't know, positives I can say about a kid than K.J. Adams. And um, for him to go through what he's going through and to play in that game is, is I mean, it's it's not necessary, yeah. but it's it's very courageous of him. Yeah, I don't think there's any superlative left to say about K.J. Adams. No, but I thought he changed the energy of the game. He really did. I mean, he is KU's kind of energy guy. Like, when he came in the game, yeah. it changed KU's energy level. And, and, yeah, they weren't making shots for the whole game. Um, and that's what I think kept it. Because it felt like the whole second half they were up between, like, 13 and 18 points and then they kind of pulled away at the end uh if they would have hit more threes then then that wouldn't have been the case but I felt like the energy level was a lot better uh kind of from the second half on so I don't know I mean this is going to be probably one of the most forgotten games of the season right once we get a couple <laughs> months from now once we get a Maybe. month from now yeah um but as far as what we have here I mean if, if you're just looking at takeaways from this game how about Kevin McCuller man yeah. Triple-double, second straight game, 22 yep. points, 10 rebounds, 10 hey, assists. only player in KU history officially. Yes. I think, uh, did you see the clip after the game where they were like, it was, I think somebody said that to Kevin and Dewan was like, he didn't even play that well or something, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. But, uh, yeah, officially he's the only player with back-to-back triple-doubles in KU history. 
I think everyone looks back to like Wilt Chamberlain and who knows how many uh, triple doubles he might have had. But uh, officially, it's Kevin McCuller. Yes, Kevin McCuller is the one guy. Will that get his jersey retired at the end of the year? No. He's the only KU player to do something. No. Isn't that enough? Uh, if he wins a national title, <laughs> maybe. But uh, right now, no. No. We uh, something interesting that I started thinking about when you mentioned the, the energy stuff from KJ Adams, it's, it's pretty true, right? I think when you, at least on the floor, it feels like Hunter Dickinson is a pretty steady energy player, right? He's not a guy that gets, like, super animated. I mean, he did kind of in Allen Field last couple times, but I don't think he's going to be that guy all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Dewan Harris is certainly not that guy. He's a more steady guy. Kevin McCuller is more of a steady energy guy as well. So when you think about guys that are just going to get absolutely fired up for a play or really, really, you know, raise the roof on something, you're right, it really is KJ Adams because you're getting kind of steady Eddie from Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller. I think, again, Hunter Dickinson, I think, can show it at times, but he's, he's more steady, I would say. And then I haven't really seen enough from El Marco Jackson, Johnny Furfier, those to be for those guys to be real like guys that can pump pump the play pump the team up or, or pump the crowd up when they're at home. KJ Adams is really that guy. Yeah, he is, and that is an important role to have on a team. You need the leaders by example. You need the leaders by I don't yeah, know, the, the exactly. talkative leaders. It is, I think, that is by no means a knock yeah. against Dewan. No, it's, no, it's good to have a little bit of everything. Yeah, exactly. I, I almost view Dewan to be like the lead by example guy. Kevin to be the. Uh, lead, like it the feels vocal like, leader. Yeah, it feels like he's stepping into that. Yeah, that like Jalen was the vocal yeah. leader for you last yeah. year. And, but and, is Kevin I mean, really? But is Kevin really the guy that's going to like you know, just go yeah, absolutely ballistic after a play to get no, no. Fired KJ's up. the like spiritual leader. Yeah. in that way. Yeah. yeah, I think is the way to put that. Um, the two point dominance stays apparent for K. They were thirty two of forty one on twos, and that goes back to I mean Hunter Dickinson was fourteen of sixteen on twos. Even if you remove him though. That's uh, 18 of 25 on two-point shots, which yeah. would be 72%. So even if you remove your best offensive weapon on twos, you're still dominating on twos. That's a theme for this year for Kansas. They have been dominant at two-point offense. They have been dominant at two-point defense. The one thing that we've seen sneak up on them, whether it was the exhibitions or the Kentucky game and snuck up on them again here, was the three-point shooting. And that was something that, that we were kind of hopeful that, okay, maybe this would be a game that you can dig into the bench. Maybe the bench can you know play well because theoretically, like any of the bench players would be the best player on Chaminade. And we still didn't see it. I mean, you had 12 bench points. Eight were from KJ. Uh, Timberlake goes for two points on one of five. Jamari McDowell, two points. He played 10 minutes, which, by the way, that's kind of interesting. McDowell only played one less minute than Nick Timberlake. Yeah. Um, Parker Brown had zero points off the bench. And then uh, Johnny Furphy started the game, but once KJ got back in the lineup, he didn't start the second half. He had uh, just four points on two of five shooting. And the three-point shooting, four of 19 from the floor. Uh, and when you look at that specifically... It was actually a a decent three-point shooting game for the starters. I mean, it wasn't a great three-point shooting game, but all four of KU's starters bef- besides Johnny Furphy hit a three. Yeah. Johnny Furphy go one for five, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Furphy, Timberlake, McDowell, and Brown combined to go 0 of 8 from three. It, every game, this continues to stack up with some of the bench troubles, and even though this one is, is less concerning and it's the Chaminade game, whatever, starts to make you worry more and more about where this bench is supposed to be. And I, like, to compare to last year's bench, for instance, I think this one has a higher ceiling because um, I think Johnny Furphy provides you something that you didn't really have off the bench last year, which is like a real bench wing. That was the idea of MJ Rice, but it didn't come together, right? Um, When you look at Timberlake coming off the bench, that's supposed to be a three-point sniper. That's kind of more than you had coming off the bench last year. Again, that hasn't really come to fruition yet, but that's the idea. Uh, Parker Brown's your backup big. 
I don't know, man. Uh, the like, I think Ernest Dude and Zuby Edgefer are going to be really good college players down the road. But what you got last year from the freshman, I don't know. Maybe Uday was better than what Parker Brown is now. But like, I don't think it's like crazy if you said Parker Brown at, at this stage is better. Uh, so yeah. I just I think the bench has the potential to be better. I think the bench will be better by the time we get to a certain point. But right now, the bench is not better. No, it's not. I mean, we're like we're four games in though, so I think we still have a lot of time for the bench to improve. But I mean, you're absolutely right. From a from a production standpoint, it hasn't been any better this to start the season than it was the entirety of last season. Again, four games in, though, so I think there's a lot of time uh, and opportunity for those players to grow. And kind of uh, as a side note to that, when you went talk about the three point back to the three point shooting, I think it's safe to say that at this at best, the three point shooting for this Kansas team is going to be inconsistent. At worst, it's going to be unreliable. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think that's how it's going to be. I don't think you can expect them to night in and night out be shooting a, a high percentage from three or, or a reasonable percentage from three. It just doesn't feel like that's going to be the case. But when you are as dominant in two-point play as KU has been to start this season, that really helps remedy that, right? And I don't see any reason why KU can't maintain that level of, of two-point percentage throughout the rest of the season. I mean, you've got Hunter Dickinson. K.J. Adams, like... Eight of his shots are dunks, so that's like a very that's the most high percentage play, high percentage two point shot you can have is a dunk, and I don't know if this is just kind of uh, you know maybe being a prisoner of the moment a little bit, but the amount of cutting and movement that this offense for Kansas has this early in the season right now, it feels like to me that's it's the most that maybe they've had in a while under Bill Self of, of movement this early in the season. I don't know, I don't know. I'd have maybe I'd have to go back and look a little bit more deeper into that, but it feels like there's a lot more movement, a lot more. Off-ball movement from this offense for KU than maybe there was one right now in the country in assist to field goal rate. Yeah, and I think and a lot of that has to do with the cutting and off-ball movement that KU's shown so far this season. And and again, I want to I want to emphasize when I say that I mean at this stage of the season, right? right? There's probably many many KU teams that oh you know in March or February or whatever have been have been well. But but, counterpoint again, they've never been number one in the country in assist to field goal rate on Ken Palm. Yeah, yeah. So this is as, as best as it's been. I think I think. For right now, I would say yes. That in November, this is probably a Bill Self team that seems to be the most polished when it comes to moving without the ball, cutting, and obviously, I think a lot of that has to do with with having a guy like Dewan Harris, who is going to find you if you are moving without the ball. Dewan Harris will find you if you are open. Uh, so I think that has a lot to do with it as well. But that's something that's really really impressed me. And you know, Bill Self really emphasized over the course of the offseason leading into the season how much. This team was working on offense, and how he said that they weren't he they weren't even working on defense at all, and I think you're kind of seeing that a little bit with how well they are that they are moving without the ball and things like that on offense. There are still some areas where they're not as sharp, but uh, it seems pretty clear to me that they are pretty far, pretty much more far along maybe than I would have expected the offense to be. You know, I think in in a lot of ways coming into the season, it felt like. There was this discussion of well, KU's going to win a lot of games, fifty-two to forty-seven or whatever, fifty, you know, because the defense is going to be good, but the offense might be kind of tough. That hasn't really, that hasn't really been the case. The offense has been pretty, pretty solid at least. Yeah, besides, it's, besides three point two. It's what you said. It's the ball movement. It's the cutting. It's the passing. It's yeah. the dunking. KJ has nine. I mean, there was some awesome, awesome passing sequences from KU mm-hmm. last night, especially. And they're really able to take advantage of that. So that's a positive. But, yeah, they, they need to figure something out. And it's not even just the bench. It's the bench plus fifth starter. Um, you're still looking for Marco Jackson to get a little bit more comfortable there. Um, but, yeah, I mean, uh, Kevin McCuller, Hunter Dickinson, like those guys just continue to kind of dominate. DeWan Harris, too. 
Um, honestly, my biggest takeaway from the game, though, besides kind of the bench and, I don't know, the, the three-point shooting not being great, I I know you asked me this yesterday, and I was like, uh, I think I could give it a couple weeks here. I don't know. I'm 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 kind of there. I'm I'm worried about the <laughs> Timberlake experience. I'm very worried. Wow. Twenty four hours ago, you're like, oh, I'll give it a couple weeks, whatever. And now here you come today. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. It's. I mean, it's not. It's. I don't know what it is. Like I don't know if it's a mental thing. If it's just a. You know, whatever it might be, if it's just if there's some a lot, if he's putting extra pressure on himself, but it's just not, it's not really clicking right now. It's not really working for him. Uh, and uh, you know, this is a guy that has a lot of experience at the college basketball level. But I think we mentioned this in the off season, dude. It's one thing to have experience playing in the Colonial. It's another thing to have experience right. playing on Kansas, okay, or but playing that's just on the weird thing. It's like. Kansas isn't asking. Like Kansas is asking you to hit the shots. I mean, it, it technically, in terms of on the court. Kansas is probably asking Timberlake to do less than what he yeah. was doing at Townsend. He's 3 of 12 right now from 3 this year. I mean, he shot 41.6% on 223 last year, 40.6% on 192 the year before. Am I to think that he's just not a good three-point shooter now? I don't know what it is. Is it a confidence thing? Is it a not knowing how to respond to getting a rhythm coming off the bench? Like, that could very well be Yeah, it. I mean, I, w- I would think that that might be it because we, we touched on this uh, previously with Nick Timberlake where – it's a situation if if you are unable to do the other stuff at a high level, then you're not going to be able to stay on the floor long enough to get into a shooting rhythm. And and in, and in, even in some cases, if you're a guy like Timberlake and you come in and you miss your first two threes, that might be enough to also send you back to the bench. You know, so it's it's I'm sure it's an adjustment. And you know, one of the things about Bill Self that we've certainly learned over the last 20 years is that he is he generally is not going to change in his coaching style for any specific player. Now, and what I mean by that is, obviously, he's 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 a chameleon when it comes to jumbling together the, the players that he has. But my point being is, like, he's not... There are certain things that he's not going to bend on just because, you know... So, like, for instance, with Timberlake. Like, if, if, if Timberlake is, is saying, hey, I need time to get warmed up in the game and shoot threes, but Bill Self is saying, well, your defense and rebounding and everything else is not good enough for you to do that... Guess what? Timberlake ain't gonna be on the floor long enough to, you know, that's how that's how that works. So it's 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 a little bit concerning, but I will say this. I also am starting to wonder just how much KU necessarily needs Nick Timberlake to be really successful for the team to be successful. Well, I mean, if Furphy's hitting threes or McDowell's hitting threes, it's fine, but right now neither of those guys are doing that either, right? Yeah, I guess. So it's kind of yeah. I don't know. It's just that Timberlake represents your best chance to hit the threes. At least you would in, think. on paper. In yeah, theory, you would, what, you would think. what the idea is there, right? Yeah. So, I mean, but yes, you're right. I mean, if El Marco Jackson ends up putting everything together, if Johnny Furphy becomes a 37% three-point shooter, if Jamari McDowell is hitting 35% playing good defense, then it's going to limit the number of minutes that Nick Timberlake is playing anyway, to what you're saying. But right now, those things aren't happening, and Timberlake still is your highest ceiling, I think, three-point shooter, at least known commodity of what you have here. So, yeah, I am starting to get a little bit worried. And the fact that he only played one more minute than Jamari McDowell might be good for Jamari McDowell, but it wasn't like a great Jamari McDowell game. (sighs) That's just a little bit scary. Like, I'm looking right now, too. This is O-rating, which is a measure of the amount of points per 100 possessions your team is scoring when you're on the floor last night. 
Dwan Harris, 96. Kevin McCuller, 113. Hunter Dickinson, 154. Uh, and Marco Jackson, 110. Johnny Furphy, 112. KJ Adams, 119. Jamari McDowell, 136. Nick Timberlake, 60. Oh. You notice the difference in those numbers? <laughs> that's pretty significant. And I know it's just one game, but that's kind of been all of them. And so, like, I, he's an upperclassman player. He's adjusting. Maybe we should treat this the same way we treat the freshmen with Marco and Furphy in that, yeah, even though he's an older player, he still has to make the same adjustment those guys do playing at this high level of basketball. So, I don't know. I'm just getting a little bit worried there. But we'll see. Maybe tonight he hits a couple threes and uh, quells some of those thoughts. So, I want to get to the Marquette scouting report uh, coming up here. Do you have any final yeah. thoughts? Uh, Well, my final thought was just – it, maybe this is a situation with Timberlake where if it, he just needs one game and it's like a it's like an opening the floodgates type thing where it's like maybe he just needs one game where he can get in and go you know four or five from three or three or four from three and maybe it'll just kind of click. Uh, I guess I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna look this up during the break. I'd be curious to know how Isaiah Moss's career started at, at KU if it took him some time uh, as well. All right, uh, Marquette scouting report coming up next. Matt Tate after that. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're going to be joined by Matt Tate of R1S1 Sports coming up in 15 minutes from right now. Uh, as I teased, I wanted to look up Isaiah Moss, who, you know, similar role to what I think they were asking of Nick Timberlake to come in, not known as a great defender, though I think probably a little better than, than Timberlake was, but more of just coming in to just be a floor spacer and a shooter, and on days where you hit threes, you're going to play more minutes than on days where you don't. Well, uh, Isaiah Moss hit the ground running a little bit more. He uh, missed the Champions Classic game. If you remember, he was injured for that one that they lost to Duke with a billion turnovers. But his first game was UNC Greensboro. He had eight points, hit two threes. Then his second game against Monmouth, which I think this was the was that was George the, Pappas. Yeah, yeah, that was Papa, the Pappas. Or the, Papa the Diaz. At the end. Yeah, the end. Uh, <laughs> the Papa Diaz, man. Isaiah Moss had 21 points in that game with five made threes. So, well, like, it makes sense because K won 112 yeah. to 50. But I guess my point being here, like he he hit the ground running. You know, also he played uh, 36 minutes in the Dayton game. Yeah, and didn't score at all. He didn't know. Yeah, he did have four rebounds and an assist. He only took one shot. You're a floor spacer. Hey, I could play 36. I guess he spaced minutes. the floor then. Hey, I could play 36 minutes and put one shot out if you want. <laughs> I can do that. But they respected him. They got out on him. Maybe that's what <laughs> opened. Maybe that's why Doke had like 30 points. They were like, we Maybe. have to respect Isaiah Moss. You know, yeah. worked out. Yeah. But yeah, you know, yeah, real quick, uh, George Papadias, whatever you're doing, man. It wasn't worth it. It wasn't worth it. I wonder what he is doing. He's probably playing. He was pretty good at the was end he? of his career. Not that year. That year he was like coming off the bench. First of I all, think the what's next his year he ended name? up being a good player. Is it, it's is that not, George Papas? It's not Papa Diaz, I'm assuming. No, it, George Papas. <laughs> yeah. He's playing in Greece. Oh, okay. I mean, he's he's originally American Greek, so he probably has a lot of times those European teams, they have limits to the amount of yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, foreign players you can bring in to they no, make I remember sure one time over the summer you tried to explain that to me. Yeah. So if you have dual nationality, it, the team love you yeah. because then it doesn't take up one of their spots. He yeah. was a Greek League champion and what? a Greek Cup winner and a two time Greek Super Cup winner. Jeez, maybe it was worth it for him. Wow. Maybe George Papadias came out better for that. Uh, apparently, he was called up for the Greek national team at the 2023 World Cup qualifiers. First of all, isn't Papa Diaz like though. that thing from Papa John's? Papa Dia? Yeah, that's yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's okay. like the folded up pizza. <laughs> apparently, his full surname is Papa Thanasio. I like Papa Diaz better. Papas. <laughs> anyway, that's enough George <laughs> Papas for the day. Yeah, um, dude, he just got like three minutes more <laughs> airtime than he deserved. Uh, so, KU's taking on Marquette. AP poll has Marquette ranked fourth. Ken Palm has him ranked twelfth. 
which to me, that's how I I view them more as being like a top. I, I think they're better than 12th. I think they're worse than fourth. Yeah. I think they're a top 10 team. But I've said this earlier this week. I'll say it again. I think Purdue and Tennessee are better teams than Marquette. But I think Marquette is a tougher challenge stylistically for Kansas. Could be. Could be for sure. But no, I'm right there with you. I think Marquette is probably in the top 10 range. I don't think they're top five. But they they look they seem like a very dangerous two seed type team that yes. you might find in the NCAA tournament where you could argue they might be good enough to I mean just like last year right last year they were mm-hmm. two seed right it's kind of the same deal uh, the thing is and, uh, Izzo <laughs> don't even get me started on Izzo all right uh, anyways yeah so you know a, a, a definitely a really really solid team and definitely a team that plays a more unique style. Uh, with what they can do in terms of how they can spread the floor, what type of offense they can run. They've got five guys that can basically handle the ball and essentially you know, dictate the offense a little bit or activate the offense. Uh, so that obviously is a real challenge that the Caves defense will have to find a way to deal with. And in a game like this, Hunter Dickinson is will be the focal point of that, I'm sure, because Marquette, I'm sure, will try to get him moving around and, and get him off of his – off kilter a little bit or on his back on his back foot playing defensively and maybe try to exploit that. But at the same time, that means that Hunter Dickinson, he's going to have an advantage on the offensive end to be able to hopefully impose his will at that end of the floor. Uh, so that that's kind of where I see the crux of this game is that Hunter Dickinson is probably going to be a guy that Marquette focuses on and tries to isolate and tries to do different stuff with to put him in bad spots and, on defense. But at the other end of the floor, he should be able to go down, turn his back to the basket, Get the ball and be able to score just like he did against Shamanon. Maybe not to that extent, obviously, but yeah. But you get the idea. Yes, they should have that advantage, and and I think KU is going to have that advantage most games because they've just been excellent at two point shooting all around. Uh, you nailed it with kind of the five players who could dribble. So Kolak is the point guard. He uh, is an all American level point guard. Does a little bit of everything. He's shooting over fifty percent from three. He's kind of like the same ilk as Dewan Harris. He kind of picks and chooses his yeah. moments. Yeah, he's not. Three. He's not the, a, a really score first type player. Uh, nine yet points. He's nine averaging like against, thirteen points. Yeah, yeah nine points, nine assists against UCLA. So more more aggressive than Dewan is. But you're right. Kind of kind of that same style of player where he's looking to facilitate the offense first and get guys open more than he is necessarily looking for his shot every time. And then Cam Jones is the leading scorer. He's putting up like 17 a game. He's shooting like 46% from three. Uh, David Joplin is the four-man. He's like kind of a stretch four. He can shoot threes. He had a big game last night. I think he hit five threes against UCLA, so that becomes an interesting matchup with him and KJ. Oso Adoro is the guy that kind of allows them to play this way because he's the center. Last night, they were having like possessions where they ran him with pick and roll where he was the ball handler as the center. He's 6'11", 235. So he's big. Hunter Dickinson's bigger, but he's agile. He's quick. He will run into straight line drives on you. They will space the floor and basically have him ISO and just take a drive to the rim. It's a very interesting offense. Um, and then you'll you'll kind of see it a little of like Stevie Mitchell, Sean Jones, Chase Ross. Ben Gold is the backup center who's more of a bruising backup center. So it's, it's a really good Marquette team. I mean, keep in mind, again, this Marquette team, UConn ended up running through the you know, whatever, the Pantheon to win the national title last year, right? But, yeah, in the Big East, it was a slog. It was. Marquette won the Big East regular season title. Yeah. And Marquette won the Big East postseason title, the, the conference tournament title. They actually gave UConn their last loss. They beat them in the uh, conference tournament semifinals, 70-68. to 68. So, this is yeah. a good Marquette team. There's, there's no way around it. Yeah. Um, offensively, they're eighth in the country. Defensively, they're 30th. 
they play at a fast tempo offensively, but they play at a really slow tempo defensively. They're also not a great offensive rebounding team. What that tells me is that they're one of those teams that send numbers back into transition to stop you from getting transition buckets, which might be fine for KU because in the half court you have Hunter Dickinson, who's the ultimate half court cheat code, right? Does Shaka Smart with hair scare you more than bald <laughs> Shaka Smart? Dude, I don't, I, I don't know that there's been a bigger turn on a coach in how good he is valued than Shaka Smart. Because think about it. He goes from VCU where he has a ton of success. He makes the Final Four. And then he has a bunch of other years where they get high seeds, but they lose early. So then he goes to Texas, and it's it's kind of like, okay, we think this guy's a good coach. But also, like, that is a little weird that he only made one second weekend on just a random, you know, I don't know. It's, it's like... It's like if you only have one deep random March Madness run, it's like maybe you're just not that great and you just got lucky one time. <laughs> and that continued to happen to Texas. He continued to have these rosters where it was like, oh my gosh, that's one of the five most talented rosters in the country. And they would like barely make the tournament or they would make the tournament and lose in like the first round to, uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the one school they lost to. Was Didn't it, they uh, lose to, no. Was, was that with Shaka Smart? Abilene Christian. Abilene Christian. There we go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was his, uh, I want to say his last year. And then he yeah. got fired. Yeah. Um, they just lose games like that. And so I was like, how good of a coach is this guy? He goes to Marquette, and, I mean, immediately. They, they became a tournament team from a team who was bad the year before, and then they lost to North Carolina, who ended up going to the national title game and losing to KU. And then last year they get a two-seed and, and do that stuff in the Big East. So I don't I don't know. Like, is Shaka Smart like a really good coach now? Dude, I'm, that's what I'm asking. Is it the hair? Is, is, the hair? That's is, what I'm that, is, is that Samson does, does, in the uh, Bible who cuts his hair loses his powers? <laughs> anyway. Um, I don't know what you're talking about. Shaka Smart... I think is a good coach now, but it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I I bet you they're going to show highlights from the Elite Eight in uh, 2011. So get ready to shutter your eyes. Oh, that'd be fans. annoying. That would be. But for the most part, Bill Self has dominated the series against Shaka Smart. Yeah. I mean, there there was a win or two in there for Texas that that they upset Kansas. But for the most part, when he was at Texas, Kansas was was sweeping them both games or, or at least winning one of the two. Yeah, uh, most of the time. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's just a good team. They don't turn it over. They shoot the ball well from two because they space you out, and then they get easy layups. They shoot the ball from three a lot, and they make it at a pretty high clip. They, uh, like I said, avoid steals. They avoid dumb turnovers. Really, the only things they're not really good at, they're not a good rebounding team, offensive or defensive rebounding. They don't shoot free throws well. They don't get to the free throw line a ton, and they're not like a good shot blocking team. But they still have a good two-point defense uh, for what that's worth, but... Uh, yeah, I think I think Hunter Dickinson and KJ Adams can have big games in this one down low, kind of bullying their way inside. But can you keep up with their three point shooting? That'll be, I think, the ultimate story in this game. We'll get more into this game coming up in the five o'clock hour, including Rock Chalk Pickahawk and our KU game picks and our uh, how KU wins that sort of thing coming up later in the show. Coming up on the other side, we'll talk more about this game though with Matt Tate of R1S1Sports.com. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, it's Derek Johnson from Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN, and despite sitting around in a studio all day, I feel loose and limber thanks to Massage Envy and their total body stretch service. If you have aches from a day at the office, working out, maybe a round of golf, Massage Envy can help. All you need to do is relax and breathe deep during the stretches, and they'll take it from there. It's great for your body and your mind, and they also have rapid tension services and advanced skin care. Massage Envy on 6th Street in Lawrence and 119th in Black Bob in Aletha. About 20 till 4, this is RCST on KLWN, unless you're on Hawaii.
Hawaii time, in which it would be a lot earlier in the day. Unfortunately, we're going to get the brunt of that time change tonight. We're joined by Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com. Matt, have you already started uh, chugging some Red Bulls and coffee to get ready for the uh, 9.30 o'clock action between uh, Kansas and Marquette? And that's even if it starts on time. Uh, no, man, I got a couple kids, so 9.30 is like when my day starts. Okay. Uh, you know, we... <laughs> We've, we've got a lot of stuff that happens all day. you got to get them here and get them there and feed them this and feed them that. But, um, you know, that's, that, they're usually both asleep by then, and so that's, that's my time. So I'll be, I'll be on uh, natural adrenaline then, and it, it, it'll be easy. I am, I'll, I'll be honest, maybe not as much today, but yesterday. Um, yesterday was rough. I, I normally would be in Hawaii, but chose to stay home this year. Um, because of my daughter turning one on Father Saturday. You gave up Hawaii yeah, for your you daughter. Go. There you go, right? The KUK <laughs> State game was also Saturday. I, I know I could have made it work otherwise, but Thanksgiving's in here. It's just, it was too much going on. Uh, so chose chose to stay, and I really made the decision when, when they moved it from Maui to Honolulu. I know that's snobbish, but um, <laughs> You're this purist. tournament in Honolulu is not even on the same planet as this tournament in Maui. And so once they moved it from Maui, I was like, what am I really going to miss? So, um, you know, that made it easy, and I was all cool with it. It was like, ah, like you said, father of the year. I made a good decision. This is this is great. And then yesterday was just a miserable weather day, and then I was like, why the hell am I not in Hawaii? So, um <laughs> Tough, tough, tough day. Tough twenty-four hours for me, but the sun's shining now, and uh, my 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 daughters are happy, and uh, you know things are good. So, uh, more importantly, I'm talking to you, but mm. I probably would have done that anyway out there, you know. Except for last week, we struggled in uh, in, in Chicago. I couldn't I couldn't get my opinion. And what I was going to tell you, I'll tell you real quick, because what I was going to tell you before the game was. I was going to tell you that Hunter Dickinson was going to have a 2020 double double, uh-huh. and that Kevin McCullough was going to get a triple double, but um, because of some technical difficulties, I wasn't able to get that out there. And you right. know, now look, I'm sure look, you look. picked the exact score of the game too. I missed it by a point. Yeah, oh, I missed it no. by a point. I'll be honest. I, I, I appreciate um, the honesty. Yeah, thank you, thank you. <laughs> anyway, what do you want to talk about today? I know you don't want me to keep talking about random things that I pull out of midair. So oh, what do we got? Love it. Uh, so Kansas wins over Chaminade last night, 27-point win. Uh, now you get a top-five Marquette team. This is when it feels like the tournament actually starts because of you know your next two games, whether you win or lose this one, you're still playing a top-ten team the next game after that. Um, I have kind of said throughout the week, I, I don't know that Marquette is better than Tennessee or Purdue just in terms of the full team. Like That winner of that game might be tougher than this game, but – just in terms of the matchup, the style of play that Marquette runs where they run five out and their center is basically playing like a point guard and how he's handling the basketball and driving to the rim. I kind of wonder if this is the toughest stylistic matchup of any of the teams that KU could get in the tournament. What What are you most curious to see tonight uh, in that how you think this one could go between Kansas and Marquette? Yeah, no, I think you nailed it, man. I watched, I watched that UCLA-Marquette game last night and uh, – that was very evident in in the way they play, how explosive they can be, how fast they are, and and look, let's like let's not pretend Kansas can't. I mean, Kansas has got some really elite, explosive, high level athletes, and and can match that usually with anybody. But it looked different to me, um, and and a part of that might have been because you know they found themselves down ten or twelve and had to storm back in the second half, and 
you know, they really, really played well um, to, 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 to knock off UCLA after UCLA had played very well. A young UCLA team, but very, very talented, very capable, very well coached. I love Mick Cronin. So um, that, that, that really jumped out to me, and that's when I first, as I was watching it, you know, you look at the bracket for months and you, you see how tough that's going to be, and, you know, the preseason rankings are there and all that. But, but when I first saw it with my eyes last night, I was like, okay, this – yeah, this is going to be a really tough game. And and getting back to the Chaminade thing real quick, like you said, right, this is when it starts. It is. And it's, it's usually such an unfair advantage for the for the team that plays Chaminade, and that's always been Kansas. Um, it's usually such an unfair advantage because as much as that Chaminade team competes and, you know, you got to play well to, to do what you need to do to take care of business – it still is like a like a you know a scrimmage. It's not it's not playing, um, you know Gonzaga or UCLA or or Tennessee or whatever, right? It's 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 Syracuse even. I mean, it's not like you're playing one of those teams um, when you get matched up with Shamanon. So basically, everybody else has to come out there and win three games, and you have to win two. Normally, that's the case, and normally that would be a huge advantage, and I would say that. But last night because of the makeup of this Kansas roster and where they're at. Kevin McCuller played 35 minutes last night. You know, was it, was it pushed by the best athletes in the world? No, it wasn't necessarily, but 35 minutes is still 35 minutes. And so I will be really interested to see how KU's depth holds up, how the starting five holds up. Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think they're going to have their hands full and then some. What I think has really jumped out to me, too, it's crazy because it was just – sound and words and all that but the post-game interview with with the marquette kid that they had on espn as he's talking i'm sitting there going he he's never been in this position before he's he's a rookie he's he's inexperienced he you know and so maybe kansas has an edge there more than i realized because of the fact that you know uh hunter dickinson and and kevin mccullough started 80 plus games in their on 80 played for a national championship at Kansas. I mean, you know, there's some real, real advantages on the Kansas side when you look at experience. So, um, to me, it's, it's can Kansas depth hold up against a really fast, athletic, explosive Marquette team? And can the Kansas experience factor be enough of an advantage to, to you know, negate some of that if, if that becomes a problem? So, I think it's a great matchup. I think the other matchup's phenomenal, um, Tennessee and Purdue. I think, you know, college basketball as a whole would probably love for Purdue and KU to win because that's one versus two then, and then that's also Zach Eady against Hunter Dickinson on Wednesday. So, you know, but whatever. At this point, the, the ratings are going to be fine. The, the, the basketball is going to be next level. I mean, it's, it's, it's a heck of a tournament. And, um, yeah, they're, somebody's going to lose two games out of that four and that's going to be pretty mind blowing and somebody's going to win two and walk away feeling like they just won a national championship. I mean, it's, it's, it's big time basketball. Yeah. And, uh, I, I guess that, that would be a fun one with Dickinson and Edie, but, um, when you talk about the bench depth and everything, I, I guess it goes beyond the bench. It, it's partially who's the fifth starter too, and and we're still waiting to see if you know can El Marco Jackson start to look more comfortable in there, and what do these guys look like? I think a big part of why maybe the bench has been a, a little, 
I don't know, you haven't had a lot of production, I guess would be the way to put it so far this season, is maybe you haven't gotten as much as you would have hoped for or thought from Nick Timberlake coming into the season. I I said earlier in the show, I'm, I'm starting to get a little bit worried in the transition for him from Towson to Kansas. He only played one more minute last night than Jamari McDowell. He's, I think, 3 of 12 from 3 in the early going should we be treating him the same way that, that we're treating the freshmen with like Furphy and El Marco and just accepting that, hey, they're jumping up in a level of competition. It's probably going to take a little bit of time or um, I, I don't know. Like, what would your worry level be that, that Nick Timberlake is going to have a real impact on this team? Yeah, I think it's pretty high. And I think you're right. I think I, I, I think two things have to happen and, and only one of them can. I think um, he's got to start making more shots and he's got to figure out how to play defense. And I don't know that he can do both. I mean, I think we all know he can make more shots. And that will keep him relevant, and that will make him a factor. That And that, that frankly, they need that. Um, they don't need it every game, every half, every time he's on the floor. But as a whole, they need it. And so he's got to figure that part out. Because if he can figure that part out, the rest of it t- sort of becomes something you can deal with. His defense has been you know, borderline atrocious and it's not for lack of trying. And, and look, it's not, you know, a lot of times, right. You look at the white kid out there. Oh, he's not very athletic. No, Nick's pretty athletic. Like, I mean, he really is. It's just, he has not been held to a standard of playing this kind of defense. And that's not a knock on Towson. It's just a, it, it's as much of anything that what you're talking about, the jump in, in competition level. And I mean, to, to play Bill self defense at Kansas in the Big 12 is a totally different animal than so many other things. And so he's, he's just not done that. And, and uh, you know, Dick hasn't done that, you know, and, and he's been a power five guy. So it's, it's, it's not anything that you want to point to somebody and just, you know, dog them for it. I mean, I, I think Nick's trying his butt off out there. I just think that, it, it's not natural. It's not automatic. It's not easy. It's not. It's not his strength. And so, to think, you know, that he's going to flip the switch and all of a sudden become a better defender is is probably a reach. I think you can flip the switch and say he's going to make more shots. Um, can he get better defensively? He can. But will that ever equal good defensively? I don't know. I don't think so. It certainly doesn't look like it. Um, but you know, so much of it is is uh, the strides that he can make are are. You know, maybe team defense. They they talk about that every year, and they 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 really emphasize it. I mean, it's defense at Kansas, and 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 good defense for Bill Self is so much more than just guard your man. It's 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 team defense. It's rotational stuff. It's being in the right spots. It's it's you know knowing where to be. It's anticipating, reading, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, paying attention to scouting report is the biggest one. Probably they 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 emphasize that every year. And some teams are terrible at it. And some teams are it's automatic. Um, so, so, you know, maybe Nick can do some of that. Maybe he can become a better team defender, but when teams attack him off the dribble, um, he he just isn't moving his feet quick enough right now. And he just does not look like he can keep the ball in front of him. And and so that's, that, that's the quickest way to, to, to get the hook when you're, when you're on a a bill self-coached team. So I, I think that, yeah, there should be some worry. And I think that the worry probably should be tied more to his shot. If that thing falls then then again, he he you go make five threes in a game, well you're you're whatever you're giving up defensively, you're getting back offensively and maybe even, you know, doing a little more and so that's a net positive. 
Um, but if you can't make shots and you're giving up buckets, then you just can't play. And and that's again not a knock on the kid. That's just that's a business decision, and that's one one we've seen self make already. I mean that that happened at, against Kentucky. Um, what he played barely at all in the second half, right? And I think the only reason he played was because KJ fouled out, something like that. So um, that that showed up loud and clear that night. And and not everybody's Kentucky, um, but not everybody's Chaminade either. So you know th- this schedule's a monster. The next two games we know are going to be really really tough. Uh, they got UConn right around the corner on December 1st. Uh, Missouri's not going to be any easy out. And then, of course, Big 12. So, um, yeah, man, I think, I think that's valid. I think that, I think that it's, it's, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see what the rest of his season looks like. Well, I, I did want to ask you uh, a little KU football question here because obviously that was a big one on Saturday. I know uh, you, you've probably seen a lot of bad performances uh, for KUK State. You've probably also seen some, some KU wins over K-State. So, um, I, I don't know. I, I guess how do you properly evaluate that one? Because on one hand, it felt like it slipped through their fingers versus it still was improvement of them being closer than we've ever seen them be um, realistically program to program since the Mark Mangino days. How did you properly evaluate that game and, and where kind of Kansas goes from here? Yeah, that the latter part of what you said only matters in the off season. That only matters, you know, sometime in July when when you're looking ahead to next season and, and you're looking big picture and you see, okay, KU's, KU's closing in on them. You know, uh, closing the gap was a big conversation piece uh, in the post game there on Saturday, and and, and you know, it, it's important. I mean, you, you you don't just necessarily start winning, right? You gotta, you gotta make up ground. You gotta take steps. You gotta close the gap and they're doing that. But there's no question that part of the reason those guys were so devastated the other night is because they should have won the game and they know that. And if you had won the game, then the gap's closed and there's no talk about closing the gap. You've closed it. And now it's okay. Now we start from here. Where do we go? It's, it's, it's really, it's a mental thing. It's a, it's a, it's an odd dynamic to, you know, view it so differently when it's one result. But I think that's, I think that's it. And and they had that game one. Um, to me, it's credit to K state. I mean, I think KU obviously gave it away a little bit with the muff punt and uh, the block extra point. And, um, you know, Rich Miller of course has a, has a pick six on his hands and he can't haul it in. And, and, you know, I, I'm 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 thinking that the the blocked kick and the and the muff are worse than what Rich did by a long shot because that kind of stuff happens on defense all the time and and you know once a, it's also not a given and, and not automatic that that play is made you know the ball maybe isn't even thrown most of the time so you know Rich was beating himself up I'm sure but you know that's 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 tough. Um, the others though, I mean, where you're literally gifting them points and giving them, um, things and opportunities and, and momentum that, that you probably shouldn't give them or they shouldn't have any business having that that's, that's tough. So, um, I, I think their response was, was right. You know, like they were bummed. They know they let it get away. I think some of the K-State kids even were, were admitting that, right? Like we don't really want to say that Kansas played the better game, but they did like, we just found a way to win. And, and so as much as that feels cool that they were competitive and, hey, look how cool this rivalry can be, uh, what a great atmosphere, what a great football game. You know, both teams had amazing moments and, and some bad moments too, of course. So, 
you know, th- there was there were some really great things to like about that entire day. But, um, but yeah, man. I mean, when when you look at that game and you look at the Texas Tech game, those are two games. Even with Cole Ballard, and I know that's a big talking point, but but even with Cole Ballard, those are two games Kansas should have won. And I don't even know what we would be sitting here talking about if KU was nine and two. I mean, it's it's. Um, it's incredible to think about, and and, uh, and and it's incredible to think about how how truly close they are to being that. Um, so, you know, this this coaching staff, this group of players, they've bought into the level of of being able to move on from these things, no matter how disappointing or how heavy they've they've shown, especially this year, but but last year too, like a real strong ability to just say, Hey, that sucks. And boy, that wasn't any fun. And man, we let one get away, but okay. On to the next one. And I think they'll do that this week. And I think they've shown signs that they've done that. And you know, they're so in the moment, they're so opportunistic. It's like, Hey, what's done is done. There's nothing we can do about it. So, so quit crying. All we can do now is lock in, focus on what we can do. And, and that's how you turn programs, that's how you turn cultures, and that's why we're seeing Kansas football be what it is right now. So credit to them for that. But, yeah, there's no doubt that the atmosphere, the stakes, the stage, um, the, the opponent, you know, all of that, it, it made that one sting a lot a lot more than, than any other game probably would have. So um, incredible stuff, though, man. And, and look, if they if – they, I asked Leipold, you heard, um, you know, what what's the motivation this week? And – he had a list, right? Pride was one. Um, eight wins is another. I mean, there, there's a lot to play for, and and I think that's what they'll they'll tap into. And I think they're they're right on the money about that. I think there is a lot to play for still. Um, and, and and at Kansas, you can't take any of it for granted. So it'll be interesting to see what they look like on Saturday. Um, for those who have been reading my content, I did in August project the season game by game and i am 11 for 11 right now wow. one dollar i'm not one dollar richer over it which is you know a whole other thing but wait so what did um, you have for cincinnati i got a win okay so eight and four um and honestly after they beat ou um right you know i had texas tech and k-state at home as losses and i picked the ou game too obviously um so you know i, I kind of thought man that's that's not very likely that those two are going to go That's against crazy. KU, and then they did, and so here we go. You know, this is this is this is kind of the, the what you get at at r1s1sports.com <laughs> with with me. It's, I, I've tapped into a new world after years and years and years of projecting three or four wins and watching them get one or none. I finally found my spot, and and not only did I project maybe the right win total, but I've gotten every single outcome right. So. Um, if that's of interest to you um, and you're listening and you're not a subscriber yet, we've got a great special going on this week. It's 12 bucks for the year. You can get a full year of content for $12, and you can read stuff like that, and, and then you can know what's going to happen before it's even going to happen. So, um, and you, Derek, I'm, I'm laughing. I'm jo- you're no, laughing. I love I'm it. You know, Nostra- all Nostradamus. That's, that's true. We have the $12 <laughs> special. I did actually pick it all, but, you know, I'm not that full of myself uh, sometimes, but not usually. Um, but, but it, it's, it's incredible to me that, that, um, that this team has, has, you know, lived up to that because as I wrote in that story back in August, it was like, if this happens, this is a major step forward and another big, big part of this. And they're on the brink of it, man. And, and, you know, they could still get nine wins if they win this week and they win their bowl game. I mean, nine wins, you think about that, that's, that's 
truly, truly. Incredible. I think it's only so, happened five or six times in program history. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I mean, that would be phenomenal. And then you go up there today, and they're putting the fence up around the the construction site that is um, the old booth. Um, things are happening, man. It's 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 very real, and it's and it's incredible to see. So um, it's going to be a lot of fun to see where this this program goes. Um, from here, but but yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it, it, it's 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 I guess the biggest thing from the fan perspective, and I've heard a lot of fans say this, and I think they're right on the money. It's it's cool to be disappointed again, right? Like yeah. these fans are disappointed about those last two losses, even though they're still seven and four. Because oh, guess what? We feel like we should be nine and two. Like it's good to feel when again. you're at that level when that's how you're doing it you're rooting for a, a good program, a good product and, and things can be really fun again. So it, it's, it's the Kansas basketball model, right? Like KU loses a game in conference and everybody hates life. Like <laughs> they're still only going to lose five all year. It's okay. But, but you know, that's that, that standard and, and being up on that level, that's, that's you've, you've earned that disappointment and, and Kansas football's crawling toward that. So it's going to be really wild. It's going to be, look, I'm going to be on pens and needles on Saturday night to see if I get that result and go 12 for 12. That will be remarkable. Uh, I may never make another projection again. I may just end it on that one and, and, and leave it there because obviously I thought that or I wouldn't have put it, but um, you know, what are the odds? So I'm, I'm very proud of that one, as you know. <laughs> no, I love that. And I think uh, KU fans are happy that you picked Cincinnati since you're 11 and 0. So uh, Nostra Domat is uh, on, on, Ooh, the, on the case good. here. All right, well, like uh, Matt, I appreciate you, and I appreciate you uh, sharing that the promo because I was going to ask you about it. So I uh, appreciate that, and uh, happy Thanksgiving to you, man. Yeah, thanks, man. You too. Enjoy it, and uh, remind me again when when is when is the the big day for you? January, well, January twelfth. They say normally your first labor. I, I, obviously, I'm sure you've been through this. Is is about a week late? So we'll see. Okay. Sometime in January. Okay, so you're not quite there yet. You get one more holiday season, like you know, like you've always known it, and then it, yes. and then it, then it goes crazy from there. But yeah, you're gonna love it. Well, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But yeah, man, happy Thanksgiving and and thanks for the love. Um, yeah, it, it's it, this whole week. It's the rest of the week. The twelve dollar promo. Um, R1S1Sports.com. Hit subscribe. Twelve bucks for a full year. There's all kinds of cool stuff, and we've got a ton more planned. So it's worth it, and I appreciate all of you listening who have subscribed, and, and even those of you who haven't, if you want to go check it out, it, it might be worth your time. If it is, it is. If it isn't, it isn't. But I uh, appreciate you considering it. And uh, okay, tonight, and uh, we'll see what tomorrow brings with the uh, third-place game or the title game. But it'll be a hell of a game either way. So um, good stuff. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone else listening to, and, of course, to you guys. Thanks, All right. guys. Thanks again, Matt. That's Matt Tate, R1S1Sports.com. One hour down, two to go. We'll get to our Chiefs recap next. Welcome back into Rock Shock Sports Talk. You're listening on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. Coming up later this hour, we're going to get to some Lance Leipold audio ahead of what he had to say with Cincinnati coming up this Saturday. We also got Brian Borland audio, then Andy Kotelnicki audio later in the show. We get to our KU Marquette preview uh, and Rock Shock Pickahawk KU basketball game picks here on the show. That was a brutal one last night for the Kansas City Chiefs. It was, I mean, about as about as rough of a 72 hours watching period of if you're a KU and a Chiefs fan as you could have because they're both games that you lose by four, both games that you felt like you were the better team, both games that you make 
just implosions of mistakes that cost yourself the game and you don't walk away from it being like they're just a better team. Like I honestly walked away from the game being like, ah, I don't know that the Eagles are like that good. No. You know? I'm just no. like the Chiefs. Yep. I, I don't know. So many th- so many things Let's last thing. Time. If the Eagles are the best team in the NFL, then the NFL stinks this year. Because the Chiefs were way better. Way better. And that game really epitomized something that's happened to the Chiefs quite a bit. But there's a couple differences I'll get into. Where it's the end of the first half, and you're like, man, Chiefs dominated. I mean, they dominated. By far the better team. And you're looking at the scoreboard, and suddenly it's a three-point game. It doesn't make any sense. It's so frustrating. The difference is that in the past, in those situations, the offense just kept scoring, and it was fine. Uh, but guess what? That ain't happening now. That didn't happen. So, man, I don't know. I mean, it's it's so frustrating because it's I'm really sick and tired of the wide receiver discourse. But at the same time, it's getting you have worse. Three games where maybe it's not getting worse. It's staying the same over and over again, which makes uh, it, it, it ain't like it ain't getting better. Worse. Yes, <laughs> it ain't getting better. Uh, yeah. So I just and people will talk about the MVS drop. I actually want to talk about the Justin Watson drop on 4th and 25. That would have been when, one of the greatest completions ever. Patrick Mahomes throws a literal... I know I use the term missile a lot. Yeah. That was a literal missile. A literal missile. Straight to him. Perfect. Right through the hands of Justin Watson in triple coverage. It, it, it blows my mind. It doesn't make any sense. When Watson had another drop earlier, you also had the one play where Watson was like running a deep ball, and they they pointed this out on the broadcast. Mahomes throws the and deep he ball, and he's open, and then he, no, he just no, ran he the was middle the of the field. Who starts running like yeah on the angle? Yeah. instead of just going straight. Marquez Valdez Scantling was the one who he's running like a corner route. And he like Mahomes turned around deep, and then all of a sudden he stops and turns around yeah. instead of just still running into the ball. And, get, and like, then Travis Kelsey has a drop. It's the route running's bad. There's no separation. They're not playing Rashi Rice and Kadarius Tony enough. I think although. Tony is, well, I mean, he got injured like twice in the game, but then came yeah, back into it. So yeah, I was about to say, that's Tony's probably been, why. Tony's been hurt, I think. Uh, but it's just, and then Kelsey's getting older. He's dealing with some injury stuff, it seems like. I mean, the offense is, is not yeah. good right now. I mean, the, okay. Travis, the Travis Kelsey stuff is just sad. By, yeah, by NFL standards, being 14th in the NFL in points per game is fine. And if you say your team is, you know, 14th in offense and you have a top five defense, you'd be like, okay, we got a good team. Like a lot, like think about that. During the Alex Smith days, it's like, oh, we're 14th in offense and we're top five defense. Like, sure, sure. Gives you a shot, right? But when you have Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid, three Hall of Famers and the best quarterback in the NFL, 14th in the NFL in points per game is kind of unacceptable. And it's specifically the second half stuff. I mean, they haven't scored in the second half now in three straight games. Yeah. They've scored one touchdown in the fourth quarter all season long. It is it is abhorrent what the offense is becoming in the second <laughs> half. You are you are wasting what is the best defense bar none of the Patrick Mahomes. And it's it's not even like like I understand this is the NFL with a salary cap. When you get better at one thing, you're going to get worse at something else. There is no complete team. Well, listen, How often do you get a complete team? This, it, it very rarely happens. This right? is exactly what Brett Veach wanted. But right? but this is this the is point. Exactly what the Chiefs front office wanted. Yes, it's it's you were basically saying we're going to invest more on the defense and we're going to give up some of the receivers. The problem was you bare boned it too much. You needed to be like, okay, maybe maybe we just give a little bit to the yeah, right. If they just had one good receiver, it'd be fine. <laughs> it'd be fine. 
And they had opportunities to get him. They had opportunities in the offseason free agency. They had opportunities to divulge more into it in the NFL draft than just one pick with Rashi Rice. Um, they had more opportunities to, to get into it with free agency after that. Uh, I think the Chris Jones contract thing probably held them up a little bit because they were trying to figure out the contract money. But then they, they had still, opportunities by the way, at the trade. By the way, they still haven't figured out the Chris Jones thing. They no, just, they, they just it. punted it to this, uh, this upcoming offseason. Yes, exactly. And Chris Jones was great last night for what it's worth. But um, By the way, I was thinking about this today. If you were ranking the Chiefs' best players... Uh, just Mahomes. top five here. Mahomes is one. Chris I would argue Chris Jones, Jones is two is probably at this point. Two. Right, not not enough legacy, what they are right now. Yeah. I think McDuffie, McDuffie's three. No, I think for sure McDuffie's three. Would number four is four, maybe Kelsey? I don't even know if you'd go there. I mean, it might be Legarius Sneed. Yeah, I agree with that. And then you could and even... Drew Tranquil, he's the team in tackle. Right, like Drew Tank or when Nick Bolton's healthy. I mean, it's crazy that like all of no, the yeah. top players Back are to your defense point, players. This is what the Chiefs front office wanted. They basically said, we have Mahomes, we have Kelsey, we think we can get it done with those guys, with whoever else is out there at receiver. We're going to invest very heavily into the defense and the offensive line. And to be fair, they have invested at receiver. They've just It's just that, that, that it's, it's in some ways it's a little bit unfair because the Chiefs have hit basically the jackpot on Almost all of their defensive draft picks and all their old, all their O line picks, right? I mean, even go back to like Creed Humphrey, Trey Smith. Like Although that they hit was the a jackpot. side story last night. The tackles have not been very good this year. Well, they just keep getting they just keep getting flat. Yes, but anyway, what I was what I was going to say was they they've basically hit the jackpot with all their draft picks on defense and at the O line position, and that makes it even more glaring the fact that they have clearly missed mm-hmm. on their last on on Sky Moore at least. Rusty Rice, I think, will be fine. Obviously, hasn't had the maybe. I mean, he's been he's been doing I guess what you expected of him. But when you don't have anybody else to rely on, but you know, you're, you see what I'm saying? Like they 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 have hit so dramatically on some of their picks. They've been so great that it it's so glaring that on the ones that they've missed, and the ones that they missed have been the wide receivers, with Sky Moore, and if you wanted to throw Kadarius Tony in there, which uh, again, I mean, they won the Super Bowl with with Kadarius Tony, sure. so it's like it's hard to say, but. You, you get the point, and well, it's like it's who you took those guys over to. I think that's yeah. What I makes mean, it worse. yeah, yeah. When you took uh, you took McCall Hardman over George, DK Metcalf. Yeah, you took Sky. Uh, technically, George Pickens got taken like two picks or something like that ahead of Sky Moore, but it's because you, if you remember, you traded back. You traded back like five spots because you were like, ah, we could take Sky Moore or George Pickens, right? And then George Pickens goes. You could have had George Pickens before you traded down. Basically, is is the point here instead of Sky Moore, um, and then you go back to the. Uh, the um, Clyde Edwards-Alaire selection, which I know that's that's not a receiver, but it plays into this. You took him at the end of the first round, and then like the next two picks in the second round are Michael Pittman and T. Higgins. You know, so it, that's what it is because it's it's like. But again, you've you've hit the jackpot on every other pick. You have, you have. So that's what's so frustrating about it. Yeah, but but they haven't invested financially. Like they they invested draft capital. They haven't invested financially in no. the receiver position. Which you could have brought back Juju Smith-Schuster. Could have chose not to. And then just, you could crazy. have brought back Michael Hardman to begin with, and instead you chose not to, but then it ended up trading for him. Well, so last night it ends up Justin Watson has 11 targets. There were like four receivers this week who had 11 targets. It was like Tyreek Hill and basically your, your who's who of receivers, <laughs> and then Justin Watson, which is the state of the receiver core. And it's just – it's it's so bad, man. It's just, I, I saw a stat. 21% of Patrick Mahomes' incompletions are drops. 
Yeah. That's crazy. It's rough. And then there's another percentage of that that we don't even know. Some of them you can see, like the MVS one and the Watson one last night, where the guy's just running probably the wrong route or the wrong depth of route or isn't doing something right that yeah. maybe we don't, as a NFL-consuming public audience, know as much about. So Now, I am still stinks. confident in the Chiefs, maybe to the point of delusion. You can call me delusional now if you want. Uh, they I earned still the think, benefit of the doubt. So I, I don't... I still think... I, I don't even know how... Like it's It's really just blind faith at this point. But I, I think, think it's that more they than are, that. They're still tied for the best record in the NFL. They still have a really good defense. You still have Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid. Um, you still, your losses have, except for the Broncos one, been close losses that were coin flips. That, well, and obviously the Lions are 8-2. Yeah, and exactly. The Eagles team, have the best record teams, in the NFL. Right? So like they, and they've earned the benefit of the doubt. You're not wrong to trust them. Yeah, so I, I still have uh, blind faith slash delusion that, th- that it's going to work out for the Chiefs. Uh, that, that they're going to figure it out because this has been pointed out uh, by some different people over the course of this season. This receiving core for the Chiefs that they have this season, it's almost the same as it was last season. Just swapping out Juju Smith for Rushy Rice. Mm-hmm. It's the same. It's the same cast of clowns. It's the same. It's the same yeah, group. So of why are they doing so much worse? Exactly. That, that exactly. That's the whole crux of the issue here. Yeah. You got these basically, literally the exact same receiver core. Except, uh, especially when you had Nicole, Here's you had my Nicole Hardman that, back. By the way. Except no Juju and, and you have Rashad Rusty Rice instead. Yeah, my answer for why it's worse than last year. Um, it feels like Sky Moore's taking a step back. Feels like he's gotten... I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know what's up with that. I don't know either. Um, as much as... I think Rashi Rice has, has a higher ceiling than what Juju gave you. He's just not on the field enough. You know? Yeah. And so... You don't have a veteran presence. Right, and I mean, so like MVS is your veteran presence. See, the the comparison I would almost make was that like Justin Watson is now playing the Juju role, and Juju is better at that. Rice is playing the Sky Moore role from last year, except Rice is better. So you're improved there, but you're worse there. Feels like MVS is taking a step back too. Um, or at the very least, he's not taking a step forward. Sure, and then it feels like the big one is that Travis Kelsey is not as good. Whether it's, again, the, it's injuries he's dealing I, with, just older, lack of explosivity. I think I mentioned this yesterday, but I I honestly believe that it. It, it can be a, there, there's a switch there. I think they can just flip a switch. Maybe I honestly believe that. I and maybe in, when it comes playoffs time they do, but I honestly believe that it, it can all turn on a dime so quickly. I think it's very it, just, possible. it just works. I mean, remember how much last year we talked about the special teams, how much of a problem it was, and then all of a sudden in the Super Bowl you're returning the longest punt return in Super Bowl <laughs> history, and you're hitting, yeah. you know, you're doing stuff in in the post. Harrison Bucker's hitting a game winning field goal against the Bengals. Like you're doing things on special teams in the postseason that aren't losing you games. So yeah, I honestly think it's possible that it is. It, it, at some point, it might just suddenly work. It could, and I, I, I don't, and like, uh, kind of to your what you're saying, like from the outside perspective, it might be like, well, why the hell wasn't it working before? I, who knows, man? It could be one or little maybe thing. Last year is just more of a indication of how insane Mahomes is. <laughs> I don't know. Well, Mahomes has been insane this year too. Yeah, I mean, Mahomes was playing. He was playing with his hair on fire last night. Statistically, that was this a fantastic. Be by far his worst season of his career, but it's the it's game not last really night fault. that Patrick Mahomes played was like one of the best games I've seen him play. Outside of the red zone pick. I mean I could think of half a dozen throws yeah. where I was like, holy crap. And then you got the play where okay, one other thing about Mahomes I just want to mention real quickly. I don't know how he does it. I don't even understand the physics of this or like how it works. It blows my mind that Patrick Mahomes, when he is scrambling, no matter who is chasing him, he constantly somehow manages to be just a little bit faster. Yeah. It doesn't matter who it is. I don't. I don't even understand how that works. See, okay, here, here's the like, thing. How does that happen? How is he always just a little bit faster than whoever's chasing him? So now, given the fact that the offense is struggling to this point, they basically, I think, have to redirect what they are. 
In years past, they were an offense that, yeah, sometimes they'd have too many turnovers, but they score so many points. I think they need to redirect to being a game management offense. You have the two red zone turnovers. You could get away with those in the past. You can't get away with them now because you're not scoring otherwise. They are better off being a conservative offense now with a great defense with Patrick Mahomes making game-winning plays than they are being, you know, the wild offense that's no, going to try to score a lot of points. No, I don't agree with that. No. They, they because have, they went they went conservative and they lost. No, because it was fourth and four and they punted. I'm, I'm not that's not what I mean by being conservative. You need to be aggressive on fourth downs. You need to be aggressive in that decision making. And if anything, this should mean you're more aggressive because you have less opportunities. You need to be a team that is not turning the ball just, over in key situations just, because you could get away with well, it in the past. You can't anymore. I will say this: the the Travis Kelsey fumble in the red zone. I don't think there's anything else he could have done. I mean, that was a really, really great play by uh, Bradley Roby, the defender for Philadelphia, to punch it out. Just a, a really great play. I don't know. Well, I was watching that, and I was like, I honestly don't know what Travis, what else Travis Kelsey's supposed to do there. Well, K- he turns, no, or Chiefs he, are, uh, he tucks it, and I don't know. Chiefs are no longer the one seed. That is the Baltimore Ravens, but I guess the Chiefs have lost two at home anyway, so I don't know how much it matters. Uh, he's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Let's get to some Lance Leipold audio coming up next. Five o'clock hour, you're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN with Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We've got KU Marquette coming at you tonight. Pre-game is going to come for you at 8 o'clock, late one, with tip-off at 9.30 here on KLWN and 105.9 KISS. So that's what, 6.30 Hawaii time? No, it's way earlier than that. What, really? Yeah, it's like five or six hours earlier in Hawaii. No way. Yeah. I thought it was like four. No, it's five or six. I, oh. It changes. It's one of those states that it's like they do and don't do, or they don't do. It's like Arizona, how they don't do like the daylight savings time. So it's sometimes of the year it's five hours earlier. Sometimes of the year it's like six hours earlier. So I don't know what it's on right now. Um, I'm looking it up. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it is a okay, late four, game for us. Uh, four hours. Not there. Okay. Four hours. So 530. Okay, 530 tip. Okay. Right? Is that right? I guess. Dude, math is not easy for me. So that's why I'm asking you. If it's 9.30, it's 5.30 there, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> that one, if KU wins, we will not have a show tomorrow. If KU loses, then we will have about an hour, hour and a half show tomorrow. So it just yeah, kind of depends. Max. Um, but yeah, you can, uh, you can hear it either way right here on KLWN. So, KU Marquette, uh, we previewed Marquette and gave their scouting report earlier on in the show and stuff. So, what what about Marquette? What is it that they do well or, or something that, that scares you the most about what they are? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that stands out is the fact that they have five guys that play out and can handle the ball and can do a lot of different stuff. And they also attempt a lot of threes, mm-hmm. right? And the, what, I, what I most am curious about with this iteration of Kansas basketball, this team they have this year is, I like seeing them play against teams with different styles because I want to see how KU responds. So I'm actually really excited for this game because this is going to be a team with a style that KU probably hasn't really seen to the level. I mean, you know, Shamanad was, they were taking a lot of threes, but they, you know, they weren't. They were breaking a lot of threes. (laughs) Shamanad. So uh, I'm really excited to see them face a team that can shoot at a high level and plays that style at a high level. Uh, Because, so you look at Shamanad, Shamanad shot 31 threes against Kansas last night. Marquette shot 34 threes against against UCLA. So they're going to be jacking up a lot of threes. Uh, and KU's going to have to find a way to defend that. And with a guy like Hunter Dickinson, how do you do that? What's your strategy? How do you slow that down? And on top of that, uh, their five-man for Marquette is a guy that can handle the ball and can mm-hmm. dribble around with it and do stuff 
you know, he, with the he ball. looks like he is a small forward in terms of how he dribbles the ball, how he attacks, how fast he is. He's so quick and agile, yeah. but he's then he's 6'11, 235, you know? <laughs> yeah, so. Uh, that that's what that's what scares me the most is that this is a this is a classic KU Villanova situation where Marquette could just rain threes on you and you and then that could be it. But on the flip side, if you're Kansas, think about it this way: again, Hunter Dickinson should be able to impose his well offensively. Mm-hmm. Like you should be able to go down low and consistently score offensively. So this is this could be a game where whichever team is able to impose their style of play more effectively is probably going to win it. So whether that's Kansas, where they can play through their they can play through Hunter Dickinson. They can continue to use their cutting with guys like KJ Adams and, and Kevin McCuller and get guys open that way and and make a lot of efficient baskets. Or is it going to be Marquette where they speed things up, they're able to hit a lot of threes and able to force Kansas to, to play more their way to try to keep up with them uh, in the game. So that that to me seems to be the biggest key, I think, is just which team can which team can implement the way that they want to play most effectively and maybe force the other team to try to counteract that essentially yeah and Igadaro, I, I should say like he is a good defender and he's really switchable so like that helps them um Dembona who's UCLA's good big man had 13 points last night shot over 60 percent from the floor he was able to get some key moment buckets for them so you expect with with Dickinson he does have a size advantage on this one yeah he should be able to to get some work there and and yeah I mean it's I guess for me, it's it's that's what scares me the most. How on earth are they going to defend this guy, and what is that going to lead to from the outside from three? Um, yeah, it, are they going to put KJ Adams on him? Then what the heck would you do with Hunter Dickinson? Do you play a little bit of zone? Do you play? I don't know. Do you play? Do you play like a? But see, the, I don't, the I don't zone know. would almost be would almost be counterintuitive because you're trying to stop them from shooting threes. Not let him shoot yeah. four. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's a, it's a hard way to defend it. I think this is a very tough matchup for Kansas to kind of deal with here. Um, since you already mentioned it though, with the kind of spacing and and everything that they do, something else that that does worry me a little bit in this game is uh, Marquette does not turn the ball over. Yeah. they are eleventh in the country in, in turnover rate offensively, and they don't do stupid stuff. They're fifth in the country in non steal turnover rate, so they're not running into charges. They're not yeah. uh, just throwing the ball out of bounds. Like they they're a and very good team. Guess what? UCLA had double the amount of turnovers as Marquette. Yeah, and they lost. And then it awesome. was it was a two point game, right? So yep. you double the amount of turnovers in a two point game. That's one of the reasons why you probably don't win. And oddly enough, you would think that Kansas would be a good turnover defense team. They've been kind of lackadaisical, I feel like. 282nd in the country in turnover rate defensively. You would think with having Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, and I mean, K.J. Adams is a good defender, and you know Hunter Dickinson's an alert defender, I would say. Uh, Marco Jackson at least is a good athlete. Like, Furphy has length. You would think they should be at least a decent stealing team. So that would be a worry for me. Like, what if Marquette only has six turnovers in this game? And they had seven against UCLA. Yeah, that would be kind of problematic in this one outside of uh, what you said. Where do you think KU has the biggest edge in this game? Besides Hunter Dickinson? Sure. (laughs) Uh, Man, I I think KU is going to have a a bit of a physicality edge in this game. I think KU should be able to utilize K.J. Adams, utilize Hunter Dickinson, utilize even a Parker Brown, even a Kevin McCuller, uh, utilize their physicality and just maybe be able to brute force their way into some baskets in this game. To me, that that's, I think, an area where they should be able to capitalize a little bit. And and I, I'm sure they have that in mind. But the, the beauty of this Kansas team is that they have that power, but at the same time, you can also have K.J. Adams use some finesse. You can have Kevin McCuller use some finesse. So I think, I think KU has the advantage in that area in terms of, just kind of being able to to impose themselves a little bit more, and and to be fair, when you have a guy like Hunter Dickinson, you should have the advantage in that area most games, uh, where you can just kind of use use the physicality to your advantage and and, and play that way. 
So that's where I think KU probably has the biggest advantage because I think you figure you figure Kolek and Dewan Harris will at worst cancel each other out, right? Or I guess that's what you would expect. Sure. So then if those guys are going to cancel each other out, then you look to McCuller and Dickinson to be kind of, I guess, your difference makers at that point if you're Kansas. And, and I think those guys definitely have physical advantages just in terms of physicality over, over their, uh, their opponents. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I mean, the physicality probably goes into to this, uh, the rebounding. KU has not been a great offensive rebounding team. I think in a game like this, it, it benefits you to do that a little bit more. Um, they're just 226. But even though they, they haven't been a great offensive rebounding team, they are still slightly better than Marquette. It's defensive rebounding where they're a lot better. KU's 83rd in the country in defensive rebounding rate. Marquette is 238th. Are you concerned at all that Dewan, Kevin McCuller, and Hunter Dickinson all three played 32-plus minutes? No, I'm time. not concerned. Dickinson played 32, McCuller played 35, Dewan played 35. No, these are 22-year-old kids. Uh, Kevin McCuller is to... like 25. I know, but and, okay. And, and Hunter Dickinson When these is, kids is... were in high school playing AAU ball, you're playing like three, four games a day. <laughs> I, listen, I'm not saying I'm concerned either. I just, I was just the second game a doesn't. It's the third game that I think you you start worrying about the the fatigue a little bit. Okay. Um, this game maybe not as much. It might have worried me more if you were playing UCLA because they were a very physical team and a That's defensive true. I mean, team. Playing 35 minutes against Chaminade versus right. against you know UConn or UCLA or yeah. somebody that is definitely different. Now the other thing would be two point offense, and, and to be clear, so Marquette is not a team that gets a lot of blocks. Um, they are. Let's see, 140, or I'm sorry, 293rd in the country in block rate. They do not block shots. But despite that, they're a good two-point defense. Like, they at least contest. Maybe they're not getting blocks, but they're forcing you into tough shots. They're 58th in the country in two-point defense. And you look at their two real games, Illinois and UCLA. Illinois only shot 37% on two-point shots. Now, UCLA did shoot 50% on two-point shots, so pretty good there. But that's been KU's biggest strength. They're third in the country right now in two-point offense. They're uh, second in the country two-point defense. That's a little tougher in this game because you're going to be spaced out. But the offense, as as much as Marquette does have a good two-point defense, you've been dominant at two-point offense. So yeah. I, I think Kansas, it's just you have an advantage there because most games, if not all games, you should have an advantage there. Something else um, quickly that I want to note with this game is free-throw shooting. Yeah. Marquette was not great from the line against UCLA. No, it was it was mostly Igadoro. He really struggled. I mean, at one yeah, point he was, was five so he free was, throws straight. Yes, in, he in was. The half. So Igadoro was four of eight on his own. He's shooting forty six percent from the free throw line. But this even year. but even with him being four of eight as a team, they were only ten of eighteen. Yeah. So but see, it's, it's uh, about and, who and Kansas and Kansas. They were only they didn't shoot a lot of free throws against Shaman. They only seven of eleven. Yeah. But neither team seems to have been shooting very great from the line. Yeah, it's, it's more about who you found. Like, Tyler Kolek this year is shooting 80% on free throws. Cam Jones, who's their leading scorer, is shooting 77% on free throws. Sean Jones is shooting 75%. David Joplin, their four-man, shooting 83% on free throws. Uh, it's just that Igodoro is 46%. I do wonder if KU would implore a hack a Igodoro type of strategy <laughs> at the end of the right? If you're losing, like... Do you try that out? Try to get a one and one where maybe he misses and you get an empty possession. I I, I don't know. Uh, Ku wins if what? Hmm. I think Ku wins if Dewan Harris takes Kolek out of the game a little bit, and they are able to, on offense, uh, use their use their physicality a little bit. And I think with Hunter Dickinson and Kevin McCuller, and also. KJ Adams, right? I think if those guys can get going and and kind of what you alluded to with the two-point shooting, I think it's pretty clear that for KU to win games, they need to be consistently shooting 
at least 45% from two-point, right? Oh, better game. than that. I mean, right now they're shooting 66. Yeah, but I'm saying for them to just, just to win. To win, they have to shoot probably at least, at least at least 50. Yeah, at least that. At least that. From Are you saying the field or from, from two? two? From two. Yeah, at least 50, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so if they can do that, I feel pretty good about them uh, them, them winning this game. I uh, would say if you, if you can make three-point shooting as as much of a equal as possible, that would be one thing. By the way, you know, here's what's funny. Uh, as much as KU struggled from three the last two games, because of how hot they were the first two games, they're they're tenth in the country right now in three point percentage. Isn't that ridiculous to think about? Shout out to Juan um, Harris, baby. Yeah, I guess so. It's uh, yeah, whatever. So, if if you can make that more of an equal, right? If they hit ten threes and you hit eight, I think you take that. You know what I mean? That yeah. would be one thing that that KU wins the game. Um, if KU is within, I don't know, three turnovers, I think you feel good about that. Um. The other thing is, if if for me, it's just like if Hunter Dickinson avoids foul trouble. The one problem with defending Igadoro, like, it's like how do you defend him? Because in theory, he he hasn't shot any threes last year or this year. So yes, he is this mobile, versatile big man who can drive and dribble and run pick and roll. But do you just say, okay, well I don't care, then just drive. I'll just sag off you. I'll just sit in the paint. But the problem with that is he gets a running start and then he draws a lot of fouls. And so Hunter Dickinson's done a good job avoiding foul trouble throughout his career and so far early in this season. Is but there, it's, it's a different matchup in this one, you know? Is there a possibility that, you know, like kind of, I think you alluded to this, but like you put KJ Adams. Maybe. Or maybe Parker Brown. David Joplin, who's basically a wing, is the guy the Hunter's defending. Well, you know? yeah. Or, I, I don't know, maybe Parker Brown out there or something. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe it's, it's a bigger role for Parker Brown in this game because yeah. he's an athletic five-man that allows yeah. you to help out there. I don't know. But I think if KU can avoid foul trouble... Um, that is an advantage for them. And, and like you said, I think K.J. Adams should be able to physically impose his will on Joplin on the inside. Maybe it's a struggle defending him from three. But, uh, yeah, I think I think that's how it is. And then if, um, I guess, if, if Dewan Harris equals the play of, of Tyler Kolek or outplays yeah, him, I, yeah, I, I think feel so too. good about I think if, if those guys cancel each other out, I feel good about McCuller, Dickinson, and K.J. being yeah. able to, to beat out everybody else. And I guess the other one would just be, does any of the bench players contribute anything? You know? Can one bench player play well? Like that, yeah. might, it might it might just be you need one. Yeah, but yeah. I don't know the confidence level. I mean, that. technically, you got twelve points from your bench against Shamanov, but, but that's eight because was KJ Adams. That's because, that's because KJ Adams was technically off the bench. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, you got you got two from McDowell. Timberlake was just one of five from the floor. One of five from the floor with two points. Parker Brown didn't score in the game. Interestingly enough. So yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny that. I think even though we both feel better, like significantly better about the status of KU's bench this season compared to last season, right now the output is virtually the same. <laughs> I understand we're you know we're four games in the season or whatever, but right now it's the same. Yes. Okay. Uh, I I do want to mention just real quick, and because if if they do win tonight, we won't have a show tomorrow. So I did want to at least give you a little bit of nuggets on on Purdue and Tennessee. Who either way they'll be playing one of them, whether it's the third place game or championship game. Yeah. Uh, if it's Purdue, you get the cool matchup of Zach Eady versus Hunter Dickinson. Um, obviously, there have been a lot of questions about the Purdue guards because they were young last year. They added Lance Jones, who's been a nice transfer addition for them. They have a bunch of guys who are kind of role players, will hit threes and, and play good defense for them on the outside. And overall, they are a super efficient offense. They're shooting 42% from three early this season. Um, they've done an excellent job at defending the three-point line because they know you have to shoot a lot of them with the 7-4 big man in the middle. So Purdue has just been a really smart team. They have played really good. They don't foul very often. 
and uh, they've just been ultra-efficient at both ends of the floor. They're just a really good team. If it's Tennessee, it becomes more of a muck-it-up type game. They're number one in the country in adjusted defensive efficiency right now on Ken Palm. They're good at two-point defense, three-point defense. They're good at forcing turnovers. They're good at rebounding. They're good I mean, at blocking shots. We were, keeping an eye, defense. we were keeping an eye on the Syracuse game, and yeah. you and I both made the comment that Syracuse got to, like, 25 points, and they were at 25 points Stuck. for, like, for like what felt like forty five yeah. minutes, and so we we saw KU Tennessee. We saw what can happen in that game last year. Yeah, I mean, I said it yesterday. I I do not want to watch Tennessee. No, the, the one thing that's different with this Tennessee team to last year, they have a guy who can make tough shots. Dalton Connect was averaging like twenty a game at Northern Colorado. Comes in, he's putting up around 15, 16 points per game right now, shooting thirty nine percent from three. Uh, so they do have a shot maker. He, hey, he was three of four. Yeah, in the game. I mean, both these teams are really good. Yeah, I, I've seen this go around. We talked about it yesterday. Like, is the Maui field better than the Elite Eight? Well, certainly yeah. this Final Four field is probably going to be better than the Final Four would be. Yeah, because basically all these teams are going to be projected to be ones, twos, or three seeds. And typically yeah. in the Final Four, you're going to get yeah. You know, I mean, I would five say five seed and uh, eight seed. You know. Yeah, I mean, I would. I mean, KU we expect will probably be a one seed. I mean, at worst a two seed. Purdue probably is in that same camp. Tennessee is probably going to be on the two C line, maybe a one C. I don't know. Tennessee maybe not. Tennessee maybe more of a two seed. And then Marquette probably at worst is going to be probably a three C. I would think. Mm -hmm. So absolutely, yeah. Uh, this is these are four really really good teams, and Kansas has a chance here now over the next you know two weeks to basically pick up th possibly three wins against top ten teams because they're going to play they're going to play one of them here in Marquette. Then they're going to play either Tennessee or Purdue, and then they're going to play UConn coming up. Yeah. So I mean, if you somehow, if you're Kansas and you somehow manage to go three and zero in those three games, whoo, baby. We're not just talking your number one. We're talking that you were number, number one, one with, with the, the yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, that would be very, very impressive stuff uh, for Kansas, especially considering you're going to have to play two top ten teams back to back days, right? Yeah. Which certainly adds to the adds to the difficulty of it. He's Nick Springer. I'm Derek Johnson. We're going to get to Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk, KU Basketball Game Picks, and then some Andy Cole and Nicky Audio after that to finish out the show. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We got your game tonight, 9.30, pregame at 8 o'clock here on KLWN and 105.9 KISS. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. Okay, so you won Rock Chalk, Pick a Hawk last night. I did. Wow. It was, uh, I didn't expect that. It was basically Hunter Dickinson versus Kevin McCuller and then who was just going to do worse. <laughs> because Hunter Dickinson got me 29 pickahawk points. Wow. I finished with 19. <laughs> Kevin McCuller got you 44 pickahawk points. You finished with 32. <laughs> Even Dewan had negative four. You got negative one from Furby, yeah. negative seven from Timberlake, zero from Will Height. I got zero like, from Jank, one from Parker Brown, negative seven from El Marco Jackson, and negative four from Jamar McDowell. Dude, the problem with the the problem with Dewan is he's gonna play 36 minutes. Right. So he's got to do so much in Pickhawk to even just break even. Yeah, it's tough. It's very tough. It's absurd. So with that being said, you now have the first pick for tonight's Pickhawk against Marquette. Now, let, let me ask you. So what? Um, I guess hypothetically, well, okay, either, either way, this is going to be our last Pickhawk before the next two games because even if we have a show oh, Wednesday, it would be after the game. Do you want true. to make this one a dual Pickhawk match? I think it should be double or nothing. Where it's, so it counts as two wins or, or should it count as one win but both stats? Oh. No, it should count as two wins. Okay, so it, it counts count as two wins. Two wins double or nothing. And we're putting both stats into one matchup. Correct. Right? Okay. Double or nothing. You have the first pick for this one. This might be kind of controversial. Mm. Kevin MF and McCuller, baby. I don't even think that, no, that's wrong. I mean, he's back-to-back -back triple doubles. Woo! Then again, what are the odds he has a third straight triple double? You know, I don't care. 
But Kevin I mean, McCullough. it's the first time we've gone away from Hunter Dickinson, which I'm actually glad. It's nice to have different picks sometimes. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Stick so it up a little bit. I will gladly take Hunter Dickinson second. Oh, I'm sure you will. I will. <laughs> and I'll love it. Here becomes the issue. What you just said about Dewan Harris. He plays so many minutes. Um, yeah. So neither one of us took KJ Adams because we didn't we didn't think he was gonna no, play. No, we didn't think he was gonna play yesterday. So he finished with eight points, four assists. So what was that? 16, 16. 18 I think he only had one rebound, rebound though. He, he had would have one ended in steal. Negative. That's twenty one. Steals were three. Yeah. Did a block? Uh no block. So eight plus so he would have ended up negative 16, as well. 18, yeah, 20, yeah, and he had 26, yeah. 26 minutes. I could take KJ. I'm, I'm just going to go to Juan Harris. He has been in the positive more than he's been in the negative, I feel like. Okay. All right. Uh, I'll, I'll take KJ Adams. Okay. I'll take KJ Adams. You have another pick? Because I think KJ Adams, if nothing else, he'll be really efficient, and you know we'll see. This is where it gets really difficult. Yes. All right. I am totally done with Nick Timberlake. Whoa. I'm done. I keep picking this clown, and he just doesn't do anything. He gets negative. Clown was a little aggressive. I'm sorry. I don't actually mean that. But do, uh, I'm done. I'm done. Uh, I'm going to go Johnny Furphy here. Mm. Go Johnny Furphy. Okay. Give me a little Furph action. You love Furphy. Oh, who to take, who to take. I'm going to go Parker Brown. I like having the backup uh, big man just because the, the minutes are kind of limited yeah. there. So it's like. I thought about taking Parker so Brown before, ahead of ahead of Furphy, but well, he was the second or third highest scorer in yesterday's pickoff. He had one point, <laughs> <laughs> so big yay for him. Uh, Parker Brown, and then so how many are we picking? First of all, we didn't we didn't. I think we should that. do s- no six is too many. Well, yeah, we could do six. I mean, it's two games. Yeah, but we're gonna have theoretically two walk-ons. the walk-ons aren't gonna get in. We should do five. Okay, five each. That's fine. Um. Man, do I go on Marco? I think El Marco's been negative like every time in this. <laughs> but it's like, okay, it can't so be as Mar- negative as Timberlake. Marquette plays fast offensively, but they get back in transition defensively. KU plays fast offensively. Okay. It could be more of a fast paced game. I think you that's think good that would for El Marco. Favor El Marco. I agree. Get up and down, run the court. I, w- I would say that favors El Marco. I'm going to take the risk and take El Marco for the second straight game, even though he got negative seven for me last game. All right, I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Jamari McDowell. <laughs> you might be stuck with Nick Timberlake anyway. No, I won't. Because I got... So this is my last pick, right? Yeah. I got four. Okay. I have Nick Timberlake or literally anybody else. Yeah, walk on. Give me give me Jank. Give me Jank. Michael Jank. If nothing else, he'll score zero. That's fine. Okay, so here's my thing. I could be convinced that Nick Timberlake could have a good three-point shooting game. The problem is, since we're picking for two games, there's a good chance that if he has one good three-point shooting game, the other game is going to be like yesterday where it's you know negative five oh, or negative five. seven or whatever. So because of that, I am going to take a guaranteed – well, Real? I guess the walk-ons could get in there hypothetically, but um, I'll go with uh, Dylan Wilhite. <laughs> I, I don't want to wow. take the negative there. Wow. That's the, wow. the state that we're in. Wow. Okay. Hopefully so, Nick uh, Timberlake listens to this and this fuels him. He's like – I hope Dude, he picks these, it up. These just, schmucks well, no, didn't like, even believe in me. But it's not just that. Like it's it's not just about that. Like even if Nick Timberlake is doing what he is needed no, I know. to do, I and mean, what we've he had wants this conversation to, before. If it's he plays, still tough for if he off. plays fifteen minutes and has nine points off three threes, right. that's a great night. But if he doesn't do anything else, it's still negative. Yeah. So like there is a difference between doing well in pickhawk and doing well in real life, and yeah. uh, you know that's where the line is. For okay. Sure. Uh, KU basketball game picks. You were seven and four. I am nine and two. 
Kansas is minus four on DraftKings. The over-under is sitting at 157. I texted you this last night. Chaminade plus 42 and a half was robbing the books blind. <laughs> robbing them blind. Yeah, a bit I of a lethargic first half. I mean, man. Man. All right. KU minus four. Oh, that's tough. I think it's going to be a really close game. Mm, I'm going to. I think KU will win, but I'm going to take Marquette with the four here. I'm going to take Marquette with the four as well. I think Ken KU has it at three, but I mean, I, I think it's a one possession game. I think it's a close game. I think way. so too. Uh, Over under is 157. High number. That's, that is really high. Yeah. I'm going to go under. I'm going under too. I, I know it's Maui. Man, you got the soft the rims. Picks. I know. Well, here's, here could be a different. Dude, the soft pick, the soft rims don't count. In Maui. It only counts in Maui, Maui, not okay. in Honolulu. We saw some soft ones go in in some of the we games. We kind of did. Uh, I, so and I floated a, a theory to you about the science of that, but I, don't, I didn't do any research on it. So okay. I'm not going to say it publicly because I don't, know what it, I don't know if it's true or not. So here's my favorite player props, and, and you can pick any of these. I, I don't know what I'm going to narrow down to. I'm just going to kind of speak these out loud real quick. Right. Um, Marco Jackson, seven and a half. I mean, he's even in the games where like we've that. been, but he's been scoring seven. He's been I right there. I don't, right? I don't like that. Do anything for it? No. No. Hunter Dickinson like is that. twenty and a half. That feels very high. I'm not touching that. Kevin McCullers, dude, 14 he's and averaging twenty nine billion I know points he is, a game. But what if you get in foul trouble in this game with Iguodaro? You know, that's what scares me there. Um, okay. If you told me he's out of foul trouble, I would take the over. I would. Okay. But uh, Kevin McCullers, fourteen and a half. I take that. I take the over. Take I like that sure. one. KJ yeah. Adams, ten and a half. I kind of like that one. Yeah. I know this is not a KU prop bet, but Igadaro is only eleven and a half. I feel I like that's pretty low. That one. I feel like that's low. Dewan Harris three is no. That's minus two twenty. I, I don't count that. Um, <laughs> you want to live on the wild side on Marco Jackson over point five threes. Mm. Let's see. Uh, points plus rebounds plus know, assists. Dewan nineteen and a half. No, I hate that. Okay, hate I actually that? hate that a lot. Kevin McCuller twenty seven and a half. Is that better than the points one? No. Okay. I think points is better. KJ Adams points plus rebounds plus assist is sixteen and a half. I mm, he doesn't he hasn't been getting rebounds. Okay. So I'm unsure. I'm unsure about that. One. Unsure about that. One. His over under rebounds is three and a half for what it's worth. See, I I want to say that's easy over, but I don't know. Yeah. Dewan Harris assist is up to six and a half. Uh, Kevin's is five and a half. Any of these sticking out to you? Kevin points for sure. That's the one I like the most. Okay. Why don't you take that one? Kevin okay. McCuller over 14 and a half points. Yep. Lock I like in. that one with you too. And I am going to go, uh, I'll go KJ Adams. Do I want to do the points or the points plus rebounds plus assists? I don't like the points, rebounds, assists. Because he could easily have another game where he has 10 points and two rebounds and Good. no assists. Yeah, I'll take Kevin, Mc- or I'm sorry, I'll take KJ Adams over um, 10 and a half points is the one that I'll go with. Those would be our uh, two prop bets for the. There we go. Yeah, I feel really, really good about the Kevin McCuller one. Okay, he's Nick Springer, Lock Derek Johnson. Lock that is our uh, KU basketball game Lock picks. Rock Truck Big Hawk. We're gonna get back to some KU football. Andy Kolenicki audio coming up next. Then we'll have uh, KU basketball tonight at eight o'clock for pregame tip off at nine thirty between Kansas and Marquette right here on KLWN with Rock Truck Sports Talk. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. 
rcst1320 am at gmail.com that's rcst1320 am at gmail.com and if you want to listen live three to six p.m central time monday through friday on klwn klwn.com and the klwn app have a good rest of your day and see you next podcast